Welcome back. Welcome back. Rooted in Logos Podcast. Episode 22. Episode 22. Biblical Manhood Part 2. Manliness. Manliness Part 2. We are excited that you were here. Thank you so much for listening. Um, before we get started, just a couple of things. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Find us on Facebook, all the social medias. We are going to start kind of putting out more content, I think. I think uh, I don't actually haven't talked to Austin about this, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, but we. I want to start putting out more content, uh, sharing different verses each week, giving out, you know, prayer requests, sharing videos, sharing things that, that I find, that we find, that we think is going to be helpful for you. And so I want to be more active and take a little more, take a little more, make a little more of an effort on the social media stuff and on the website. And so we're going to start kind of digging into that in the next com- couple of weeks. And and so uh, be following us for announcements and and um, different things we're going to be doing and and activities we're going to be involved with. Maybe I, I don't know. Just yeah, we're going to be more present on social media and make more of an effort. I think so. Uh, be with us there. Uh, we have bracelets. Buy bracelets. It's going to go to Haiti. It's going to go to a little bit of advertising, a little bit of uh, just a little bit of a fund for uh, get potential guests and, and different things. So um, might get Trump on your one day. Who knows? <laughs> that would be huge. That be would be huge. huge. We there, there are many podcasts, but this is the best podcast. Anyway, uh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That was a terrible Trump, but it got Austin laughing, so I think it was worth it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, that's just a little bit of housekeeping. We're super thrilled with kind of what's coming, and, and we have big ideas. So, we'll see, let's see what happens, see what God has in store for us. And Yeah, definitely. Um, we're excited. So, But today, episode 22, we are going to start talking about uh, biblical manhood again, or continue talking continue. about biblical, biblical manhood. B- Austin, let's get started. Yeah, let's do it. I got a, a thing that has been on the mind definitely within the, the past several years. What what is the thing or what is the narrative that the culture is pushing? It's this toxic masculinity, right? It's this. <laughs> you know what? It just popped into my head just now when you said that. What the the, the subway? The rule of New York subways where you can't manspread. Have you Man, heard? Mansplain. No, no, no. Manspread. No, manspread. Because men tend to sit with their legs open a little bit more oh, than women do. Yeah. For biological reasons. The people in New York consider that toxic masculinity and they do not want you to manspread on the on the subway so you have so people have more room to, to sit, I guess. I don't know. But that was legitimately a controversial topic a couple years ago. Was manspreading. Wow. Okay. So well just that's what made me chuckle. So toxic, find toxic that masculinity. Hilarious. It's toxic and it's it's <laughs> infectious, right? <Yeah>. Bologna. <laughs> no, it's it, and that's it. It's this narrative being pushed by today's culture that if you are that leading man, if you are of that what a man is supposed to be, you're toxic and it's wrong. And it's now being forced, and not now, but it's been forced into schools and just everywhere, teaching these little boys that if you are a strong male figure, you're wrong, and you're evil, and you're oppressing women, and you're oppressing everybody around you, and you're toxic, and you're going to infect people. Well, it goes hand in hand with the narrative and, and the, the indoctrination that we're seeing of 
Because you are white, because you are a man, you are an oppressor. Mm-hmm. If you are a strong man, that's even worse. Like if even you are a, a masculine man, that's even worse. You are part of the problem, and and we are, like, our kids and girls included, but our kids are being taught to hate themselves for who they are. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to not see them as image bearers of Christ, and to only focus on their gender and on their race. Yeah. It, yeah. You're telling these little boys that they're toxic, and. I, well, what does toxic mean? Oh, I'm infectious. I'm getting people <laughs> sick. No. And it's like, okay, this mindset of, okay, toxic masculinity. Well, it is to the world, as in real manhood, biblical manhood is toxic to the world. But what they see as toxic is actually part of the cure. Okay. Real manhood, as in, God has given that leadership role to men. God created Adam to lead and to manage the world. And who did he give to help him? His wife, the woman as the helpmate, and the man as the leader. So looking at it from that lens, real manhood is toxic to the world, but it, more so it's the cure. It, it is a cure to help bring the world into submission into what it's supposed to be. I will say this every week we talk about this. The number one determining factor for poverty and crime is a lack of a strong father yes. or a lack of a father altogether, yes. but specifically a strong father. A strong father. That is the number one predictor of those issues. I will say that every time we talk about this because it needs to be hammered home. Strong men, strong fathers are imperative. They have to be, you have to be a parent, be a dad, be that leader in your home, or else we see the outcome. We see the, the what happens without it. Yeah. And it is biblical throughout scripture, all the way through scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, fathers are meant to be the spiritual leaders, be the head of the household, and they are meant to lead. Lead, not rule, as in forcing and being dictatorship-wise, but they're leading, leading by way of Scripture and by way of God. So, going back, toxic masculinity. The world is wrong. The world is wrong. Say that over and over in your mind, because the world is wrong, over and over. Christ is real. Christ is true. Christ is right. He is leading. He is the true pinnacle of biblical manhood. And we can look at that later. So, world is wrong. If you are using secular ideas to help shape your idea of manhood or womanhood in the family, then you've failed before you've even begun. And it, it, it's very important to, to look at that because, again, the world is enticing. Look at what Satan did to Eve. It, the fruit, it looks good, doesn't it? It looks great. You can touch it. It's fine. And... As Christians, we need to be very close-minded when it comes to the world, but open-minded when it comes to Scripture. So, I, I want to look at something. It's, it's, a, it's a principle in biblical hermeneutics. So, hermeneutics is the study of Scripture. And so, the principle of hermeneutics, always do your theology in the context of the church. This is kind of, let's go back and forth. It's a, it's a conversation between two people. Basically, one person says, if everything we're doing in church with family and community is wrong, 
You say, why do you say that? I say, because that's what the Bible says. You say, how do you know the Bible says that? Well, I would reply, because everyone else likes the way things are, and everything you say is contradicting the Western way we do church. I then appeal to history, because through the past 2,000 years of history of the church, this is the way it has been done. And today, the church contradicts the past 2,000 years of church history. Now, I'm not talking about you know Catholicism, that type of church. I'm talking about the church, as in through the apostles and the way they structured. And uh, this goes back to, again, not trying to beat a dead horse, Carter. <laughs> um, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Why would you beat a dead horse? Yeah, anyway. that That's in a previous episode. Go back and listen to it. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Inside joke, though. outside joke, whatever. It's that, I, that idea of, it is a very new concept. It is a Western civilization concept of doing children's church of putting these kids all of them into one classroom and separating them from the pastor and the congregation nowhere in history has that ever been done that is not that's not in scripture it nowhere in scripture does it talk about separating the kids and teaching them separately from the adults and just for clarification purposes for my my purposes and the listeners here we're talking the main, sun, in our culture at least, this main Sunday morning worship service. Yes. Where the pastor's... Church. Actual church. Actual church service. Not necessarily that there can't be kids' programs, kids' events. That that I'm understanding that correctly, yes, right? Yes, You were exactly. talking that for our church, that 9 a.m. worship, sermon, service. Yes. And, and again, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not saying this to hurt people. I'm... I'm coming with scripture because, again, scripture doesn't say anywhere about separating for actual church. Now, yes, there there are so many benefits to having these programs for the kids. I mean, my, my girls, my girls are in these programs. But when it comes to church, they are in the service with us. When we get there Sunday morning, they are sitting there with us during first service and then when we do Bible study afterwards, I go to the men's, my women, or my, my women, my women, <laughs> sorry, Emily, uh, my wife, we my are now, plural. Let's say, plot twist, we are now Mormons. Oh my gosh. No, totally no we are not going are, that I'm way. totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a controversy in itself, but we won't even get yeah, to that. Yeah. Anyway. FLDS, sorry. Yeah. So, my wife goes to the women's class, but then my girls go to their it's a Sunday school. It's a Sunday school class. But it is after the primary teaching. Now, again, we're in this transition in life. We're in this, as people would say, season, where it, when we get to Sunday morning and our pastor is preaching, my wife and I, we we get some of it, but that is also our time for we are teaching our kids to sit still to listen. I mean, we we do allow them to color every once in a while, but my oldest, she's getting to that age where we're not going to let her color anymore because it is that teaching of, okay, now it's time to sit still and listen. And again, we get things sometimes 
Um, other times we don't because we have a one-year-old. So my wife and I, we go back and forth who takes him out when he's getting fussy. Um, and we're, we're about to have another one in September. So that, that'll be interesting. On the 23rd. I just keep saying it. Okay. It 23rd. Yeah. Speak it into fruition. <laughs> <laughs> Name it, claim it. Yeah. But it goes back to that. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That was good. <laughs> took a minute to write. Took me a minute. Na- name to... and claim it. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's false teaching, by the way. I was gonna. Uh, yeah. It was totally a joke. Am I naming my kid Brad? No. No. Okay. It's too normal. <laughs> it's, t- it's too normal of a name for your oh, family. Oh, Bradley. Oh, Bradley. <laughs> anyway, going back to toxic masculinity. <laughs> Brad. Okay. So yeah, the past two thousand years, the way church has been conducted. Versus the way we do it now. The way we do it now in the West and, again, today, it contradicts the way we've done it. So, are we saying the way we've done it is wrong, or are now we saying that today is wrong? Just kind of a thought. So, looking at the Puritans, okay, again, pure Puritans, they tried to go completely Scripture. What does Scripture say? And... It's interesting. Did you know that some of the earlier Puritan churches, men could be removed from membership if they were not the primary biblical teacher of their children? If they were putting other people above their children, teaching them biblical truths, and they were not the primary sole teacher, they would be removed from their church. Instead of a... a supplemental kind of in addition to they were replacing and and relying on these other people. Yes. Could be the pastor, could be an elder, whatever. They weren't doing the primary teaching as opposed to it is always beneficial to have multiple people pouring into your kids, but you should be the head of that and you should be the one that is overseeing it and and yes. and being the the main one doing it. Yeah. And I mean they were publicly rebuked for for basically not adhering to scripture on biblical doctrine concerning le- concerning leading and teaching their family and and even hitting home today how for for the fathers you know growing up raising your children how much time out of your day is was spent on teaching scripture and when my my kids were were younger i i I was I failed I failed at this and I, I've been trying to get better and better as we go, and we're in scripture with our kids every day, and as they get older we will incorporate more we will get more in detail, but we're we're in scripture we are reading the Bible to them we're explaining, and is that that thing where you, yeah you're in the Bible a couple times a week or yeah, you might read the Bible ten fifteen minutes a day. Scripture is full of talking and telling about how these men, these biblical men, need to be teaching their children. In Deuteronomy 6, it talks about everywhere you go, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you need to be talking and telling your children this. This isn't, okay, you know, we we will sit down before they go to bed, and we'll have a little bit of Bible time, and we're, we're good. No, you need to be talking to them during the day when they wake up when you wake up and i mean it's good yes we need to have that bible time but we also need to be teaching them about god and as their kids bible stories are great 
we, we do that a lot, telling them these Bible stories that they've never heard before, and they're learning them. I mean, <laughs> from Tuesday's episode, you have Elor and Felicity talking about David and Goliath, which, I, I'm, as a as a father, it is so cool to be able to have them learn it and to be able to regurgitate it, but understand it. They, they, they do. They understand it. They're three and four. But if you teach them God's word, God will present it to them. Kids are sponges, right? I mean, they soak up knowledge at such a high rate of speed that... Of course, if you teach them scripture, they're going to understand it and get it. Because kids aren't, they're constantly learning. And they have such amazing capabilities. Of I mean, they can learn new things way faster than we can at this point way in faster. our mid-20s, early 30s. Like, yep. <laughs> we we don't learn as fast as they do at this point. Kids learn so fast. And, and I mean, just an odd parallel here, learning how to swim. Yeah. Infants <laughs> learning how to swim. Whereas I'm not a very strong swimmer because I never really had that those lessons when I was when I was a, a toddler. Yeah, toddlers can learn how to swim. They can. Learn if how you to just swim. throw them in the pool, they're gonna figure it out. It 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 sounds terrible, but it, <laughs> but it's true though. Like it, that's how. I, they my teach. dad dad threw me in the river and said, "Swim or die." No, I'm just kidding. I he feel he, like, did, I feel he like did not he do that. that. No, he did. But didn't. no, I mean, obviously, you're <laughs> in the pool. You're there. You can you. Yes, but yes. It's amazing. Babies can learn how to swim. They learn so fast. And so, yeah, if you can start forming this now at three and four years old with, with your son at one year old. Yeah. Heck, don't want a John MacArthur summon on your wife's belly and like dig it. Wait, no, that's not. <laughs> I look like I'm about to get stabbed. Are you? <laughs> I have maybe done that. I don't know. Oh, he's done. Oh my gosh, I tapped on. That's awesome. But no, no it, we listen to sermons anyway all course. the time, so no. our kids are are hearing yeah, it. But you 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 do this now at three and four years old, at one, three, four years old, when they're twelve and things start happening and they start learning about other things. That things are out. They already have that solid foundation that's there. That again, if you don't have it from an early life, it's hard to learn and hard to to grasp. Yeah. Well, and even music people tell you start teaching your children at like two, two and three, how to play the violin, how to play the piano. And we, we actually have a family. We know that they started teaching their, their kids how to play violin at like three or four. And, uh, their oldest is, uh, like eight or nine now. And he's amazing. Uh, Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro played as a kid. And he, I mean, it's amazing what these kids can learn and going back to scripture. It is very important. If you can teach them scripture at such a young age, I mean, scripture says what you teach them, they will, they'll come back. They will come back to that. So looking at, again, youth group, looking at children's church, if youth group or children's church are canceled, would your children be getting sufficient Bible time? Would they be, would they be getting sufficient teaching of scripture? And would you be able to supplement that? Or would you be completely at a loss? So going back, again, nowhere in scripture does it say for men to turn over their children to be taught by someone else. That is one of their primary objectives. In the beginning, when God gave his command, it, it, 
it was the first, and I, I, I refer it to as the perfect commission. Whereas later you have the great commission, the one that Jesus gives. But the perfect commission was when Adam and Eve were perfect. He says, go forth and multiply, fill the earth, have dominion over it. Fill the earth with what? Children, be fruitful and multiply. Don't just multiply like rabbits and fill the earth with people, but be fruitful as in have and raise godly children. And that's the, well, secondary, man to wife. Your wife is primary besides God. After your wife, then comes your children. And then it, it says, teach them, teach them, be fruitful. All throughout scripture, men are called to teach and raise their children in God's word. To disciple their wives and children to pour out yourselves into your family. It's this mentality of, okay, you're at work all day. After you get home from a long day at work, your true work is just now beginning. As a man, you should be going to bed late, physically and spiritually tired, because of the spiritual and physical time that you put into your family. Guys, when you get home, and trust me, I know, I've... I'm a tree trimmer, okay? When I get done with what I do paperwork-wise, I go out with my guys and I, I'm I'm trimming, I'm climbing, I'm chipping brush. I get home, I'm soaked, I'm, I'm exhausted. But I have to keep that in mind that my true job, again, giving glory to God in everything that I do. But I have a family. I have a wife and I have children. And they are my primary After worshiping God, I am pouring myself into my wife and into my children. And I go to bed late. Now, again, I'm I'm not perfect. (laughs) I struggle with this. I get home and there are times where I, I don't have it in me, but it's that forcing, trying to get in that mindset. And I will go to bed late because I have poured my time into my wife, into my children. And again, it's that, it's that, that struggle of, I put too much time into my children and not enough into my wife or it really, it's more that because my, my kids are young. They, they require that time and I need to be more disciplined saying, okay, I need to spend time with your mommy. I need to have some Bible time with your mom, not just you guys. I need to be able to have some coffee and just talk to her. That's a completely different thing. But you are pouring into your family. And again, you you are being physically tired. Now, there's a difference between tired and exhausted. There is. You do not want to be spiritually exhausted because, again, it's hard to come back from that unless you are having someone pour into you as well. Right. Well, it, it again, there is precedent set by God himself to rest to recharge and to not ignore your duties not not waste time not this side or the other but to have a period of just like let's let's rest let's let's be calm let's let's recharge our batteries and we and get gear back up for the fight and gear back up for for our our mission to raise godly kids yes so yeah there is again i love that you said the the distinction between being tired and being exhausted because exhaustion moves into becoming ineffective. Yes. 
and, and burning out. You can't lift your sword anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a great distinction. Thank you for yeah. throwing that in there. Well, and, and two guys, being able to spend that time with your wife, I, I cannot stress to you enough to be in the word and prayer with your wife every single day. I cannot tell you how many times that my wife and I, we've, we've gone a few days. Just things happen. Life happens, of course. Yes, it will happen. But several days will go by and we're not in the Word together. And we are spiritually exhausted. And we're like, what is going on? And then it hits us. Wow, I have not been in the Word with my wife, my helpmate. My wife has not been in the Word with her spiritual leader. And as soon as we open, as soon as we crack open that Bible, I brew some coffee for my wife, just her spirits lifted. And I get that reprieve. And it's it's that spirit letting us know this is this is good. This is what you need to be doing. And so we're going through scripture. And that is how we get that reprieve. That is how we get that recouping from that exhaustion. And so at the end of that day, I'm tired. I am. I'm tired from going through the day. I'm tired of staying up late with with my wife going through scripture, going through scripture with my kids, playing with my kids but I'm not exhausted. It's that good tired of, wow, I just, I finished I've my accomplished. day. I have accomplished, yeah. yes. And it is a very good thing. Absolutely. And, and we're talking a lot today about marriage and, and about families. I obviously have made it very known that I am not married and uh, <laughs> no, no kids, but it, it is something that, if that ever is on the table, that I, I do need to be I need to know about it. I need, yeah. I need to know what, what I should be doing as, as a husband if that happens at yeah. some point. So the, don't check out if you're single. Don't yes. check out on this. Because I, I know the vast majority of people that are single that, that, that'll listen to this are, are striving to be a spouse, a husband or a wife. And, and, you know, wives, expect this from your husband. Hold them accountable. Expect them to lead you spiritually, to go dive into the Word together. Expect that. Yes, and when they don't do it, call them out. Yeah, and, well, and, and and men do it, do it. Yes, and and men who are or guys who are not married and, and are, are expecting that to happen at some point, start looking forward to that. Start start preparing now that this is this is your have this as a mindset that this yeah. is what you will do as a husband. Y- young men, you're fifteen, sixteen years old. Yeah, look at this. Start learning how to best lead a woman. Or our friends who are 19 getting married in a couple of months. That is, yeah. 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 Be, uh, you, well, it's, it's who you guys are going through premarital stuff with. Yep. Just, this is stuff that applies to everyone after those who are married. Yeah. And, and I mean, we'll talk, we, there are many episodes to this, so we'll get to it all. But even talking to the women, about not taking that leadership role. Not when your man has stepped away from his leadership and left it open to have that discipline not to take his role. And instead of pushing him to take his role, it's how do you encourage him? How do you best help him? Because again, the helpmate. And if you're pushing him, you're leading him by way of pushing and so th- that is that are the, those are things that we'll get into at a later episode. Right. Yeah. So I want to go back to the church. 
Judges chapter 17, verse 6, it talks about, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It's this thought of, there's no authority. There's no standard of authority. And in a lot of ways, the church today has lost all authority. Why? Well, here's a couple couple principles that the early church would look at. The first is the regulative principle, which is you can only do in church what God commands. And then you have the normative principle, which is you can do in church anything that God does not strictly prohibit. These used to be common arguments in church, but are not heard of anymore. I've never heard of this until, again, doing my own research, diving into scripture. Because everything is done in church without even looking at scripture now. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's every single church. I really pray that your your church, wherever you are, is going based on scripture. I, I believe ours is doing a, a very good job at that. But what church looks like today, most churches, again, secular churches, again, churches who are affirming um, homosexuality, LGBTQ type stuff, what church looks like today is a consequence of going out into the community of non-believers and shaping it for what they want and not what scripture tells us it should be. The church has no authority. Scripture is its sufficient. It's infallible. We've talked about that. But the church has lost its authority because they have allowed all of these things to permeate and infect them. Yeah. The leadership of the churches are saying, "Let's let's grow our numbers. Let's let's shoot out a message that is seeker friendly and it is it is pleasant to the ears, and it's shallow and it's this that and the other." And they they allow these ideas and ideologies to creep in that are that are just anti scripture. And when you as a church stop teaching scripture, you've lost your authority. Exactly, that's it. Because Scripture is the ultimate authority over the church, and Christ is the head of the church and ultimate authority over the church. And when you start kicking him out of the church, that's a oh, problem. Man, and, and and that's what we're seeing. Yes, we had that episode on progressive Christianity. That's what we're and, and we're going to talk at some point about deconstruction. That is, that's what we're seeing in these quote unquote churches today, where they're basically kicking Christ out of it because they don't like what he said about this subject or that subject or manliness and and manhood. They don't like what he's saying about that because it's countercultural. Exactly. It, it, is, yeah. it is against what our culture deems appropriate now, which our culture deems everything, everything appropriate except what we're talking about. What we're talking about, exactly. But that's that's different. It's totally different. <laughs> so it comes down to how do you apply scripture to every aspect of your life, and as Christians, we need to be doing that. In the church, we need to be doing that, and. A lot of Christians nowadays, it is, okay, well, how can I justify what I do with Scripture? Not, how do I live my life based on Scripture? Two, two completely different things. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We are to do everything for the glory of God. Everything we do must bring glory to God according to Scripture. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, glorify God in and with our thoughts. Keep every thought captive. That is, whenever an evil thought comes in your mind, take it captive, capture it, put it in jail, put it away, tell God, Lord God, take this thought from me. We are to glorify God in our thoughts. Because those thoughts come at us out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And where it becomes sin is what we do with those thoughts. Yes. Well, and it goes to spiritual warfare. Yep. That the flaming darts of the devil, what are those? A lot of times, it, my my idea of it is their thoughts. Their thoughts that you're driving down the road and something gets popped in your mind. You're like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, where out, in the out world of did that nowhere, come from? For, for no reason. Completely. (laughs) And that is where the shield of faith comes in. You put that shield of faith, your faith in Christ, and you're praying, God, please take this thought from me. So, glorifying God in everything. So, what does your day look like as a Christian, as a believer? You're going through your school, sports, work, friends, watching movies, video games, you got hobbies. You're going through your day. What has the most impact on your day? Again, we're supposed to be doing everything for the glory of the Lord. How much time are you spending in the Word? How much time are you spending in prayer? How much time are you being quiet? As in, you are just basking in the presence of God. What has a greater impact in your life? What is shaping and forming you? More than likely, it's not God. More than likely, it's not his word. Because if you're going through your day, doing your normal life, and 10, 15 minutes a day, you're reading that Bible verse that pops up on your phone, or you're reading maybe that chapter out of the Bible, what are you doing with it? Are you actually investing time? Are you you reading it to know God? Are you reading it to bask in his glory? Or are you just reading it just to, so you can get your chapter done? And yeah. check, I, check, check it off the list. Check it off the list. And I've been there. I have been there. We've all been there. It's, okay, well, I need to read. I, I have to be in scripture every day, so let me read my chapter and I'll go on. And I've been there. And I can see the difference between my day when I am not truly in God's word, when I am not praying, when I'm not basking in his presence. And it goes to, okay, what's good versus what is best when when i'm driving to work okay that that for me that's a great time to listen to a podcast um listen to a sermon and again looking at that lens of what's good and what's best it's good it's good to listen to a sermon you get a lot of really beneficial things okay well what's what's better okay well scripture scripture's better right so well, I can't read while I'm I'm driving, so listen to audio of scripture being read. That's one way you could do it. That's better. But what is best? Again, that two-way conversation of reading, God speaking to you, and you're praying, you're speaking to God. How what is best? What is shaping and forming your life? Is it the world? Is it going through life through sports, work, friends, school, movies? How are you actually representing Christ? How are you actually benefiting him versus yourself? And this touches on a topic that's a little bigger than what we're going to dive into today, but where does your identity lie? Yes. 
is your identity in in a pastor? Is your identity in a church? In a in a local this that'll step on some toes. Is your identity in a local church? I remember back in South Carolina, the church I was at ultimately closing its doors, and it threw people into a spiral. And and I want to and and I and I did encourage people that I talked to said, guys, yes, this this was rough. This hurt. And that's that's okay that it hurt, and that's okay that it was a sad time and a, and a tough time, but that's not shouldn't shake our faith because our identity is not in this church. Our identity is not in these these humans that run this church that are fa- flawed individuals that their decisions caused this this problem. Your identity is in Christ, and so when you put that your identity in Christ and you remember that, what we're talking about today with biblical manhood is going to fall into place. When you realize when you realize where your identity lies, so young men, I'm I'm speaking to young men here that they're not married, they might be dating, or they they're not courting yet. Whatever, they're not there yet. You are going to, or already are, going to influence a woman and children, either for good or for destruction. Okay, either for good or for destruction. Keep that in mind. How much time in Scripture you spend will determine that. Again, as a father, as a husband, I am the leader of my wife and my children, spiritually speaking and and worldly speaking, but how much time I spend in Scripture will determine their the good of it or their destruction. So, young men, you need to be in Scripture. You need to be learning these things. You need to be getting prepared and getting ready for leading a woman, leading your children. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Men, you are to keep a vision of the law. We are to lead our wife and our children accordingly. So again, looking at the importance of that father figure, as we've talked about, that the statistics of when a father is not in the home or not having a strong father. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 through 17. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I have become your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me, That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. That biblical Christian father figure, that strong masculine figure is so important. Men, we are to strive to teach biblically, to love and govern biblically, we must be pouring out ourselves to our families. Deuteronomy 6, 6-8, through 8, our responsibility as biblical men, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Thoroughly teaching and your life example to your children, to your wife. Your wife will need the same thing. She was made to follow a strong biblical man. Your wife will not reach her potential unless you have taken your place as spiritual leader, the head of the home in all things. When when men talk about that Proverbs 31 woman, like, oh yeah, I want to marry a Proverbs 31 woman. 
Well, for one, that's not just talking about the woman as a whole. That is talking about her whole life. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're never going to meet a Proverbs 31 woman and marry her and everything's going to be fantastic. Men, it takes a strong biblical leading man to help that woman become that Proverbs 31 woman. You're not going to marry this young woman and get this Proverbs 31 woman who is going to be great in all these things. And she's not supposed to because it takes that strong biblical man to help her reach her potential. But also in that, as you are filling your role, she is going to help you reach your potential as well. It's a partnership. It is a partnership. It's a covenant. And it's so, so important. So really quick, Joshua chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark, and the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Men, when you are fighting the battles the Lord has placed before you, these spiritual and physical battles, write them down. Catalog them in your mind. And if you can, write them down. I I am not a writer. I hate writing. (laughs) But I am keeping this in mind. I'm, I'm working for that. Write them down so that you can tell your children so that they see what God has done in your life and how he is one for you. That'll be such an amazing teaching tool for one, for you to be able to see what God has done throughout your life, but for your children to teach them to say, look, God is present in my life and present in your life. These things have happened. We'll end here because there is, there is so much, there's so much more. Um, what is your primary responsibility? Number one, your primary responsibility is your relationship with Christ. God. God is number one above all else. You put God before your family. That's biblical. It's scriptural. Number two is your wife. Your wife comes second to God and before yourself. Your wife comes second. Third is your children. Your children come after your wife. Fourth is the ministry. The ministry can be anything you're doing. One, the your your church community, um, whatever you're doing in there. If you're a teacher, when it comes to scripture, you're teaching Bible studies, stuff like that. You're leading other believers. That comes forth. God, wife, children, then that. If you're a missionary, that comes forth to your wife and children. Okay? And that you, is you, scriptural. You don't sacrifice your wife and children's well-being for the church. Because again, we've said this before, that the church is not sinful in a way of serving the church, serving inside the church isn't sinful, but when it comes at a detriment to your family, it it becomes sinful. Yes. And again, looking throughout scripture, look at David, look at Solomon, look at Samuel. These men put so much time into their ministry and not enough time into their children 
their children wreaked havoc. Literally. I mean, look at Absalom on Tuesday. Yeah. It is so important. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. If you have a pastor that cannot control his family and his children are wreaking havoc, running around like an insane asylum, he cannot be in the ministry. If he cannot govern his own household, how is he able to govern a spiritual household? How is he able to lead a church full of, say you have young believers, you have children, young Christian children in the church. He can't lead them if he can't lead his own children. That is biblical. So men, young men that are not in a relationship yet with a woman, or young men that are, young men that are engaged, preparing for marriage, men that are married, the most important thing you can do for your relationship, for your future, or already, is be in the Word. Okay, number one is God. You place God above your wife. But the next is your wife. You need to be pouring into your children, pouring into your wife. And you need to be in Scripture all the time. Be in Scripture. Yeah. And just encourage you guys to focus on your relationship with Christ and everything else falls into place. When you are in Scripture, when you are doing in living your life that living a life that lines up with scripture everything else falls into place i it's amazing how when you detour a little bit and when you kind of go off the the path a smidge how quickly things fall apart and how quickly things aren't going the way you want them to go or need them to go yeah because as soon as you try to do it on your own you fail yes so it very encouraging even for me someone who's single with you know no fan be in the word. Yes. And F- be Christ-like. Yeah. And just kind of something to leave you guys with. Men, we are to accept responsibility, reject passivity, lead courageously, and in so doing, expect the great reward. The great reward being eternal life. So, there you go. Great way to end it. We will get back to it next week. We are also at some point in the next few weeks going to talk about being single and and talk about what what we need to be doing as single guys as single ladies all the single ladies ladies. no no Um, no sorry (laughs) but good uh good discussion today we will get back at it next week um in the meantime check us out on all social medias i've said that before i'll say it again give us a review subscribe email us text us call us Unless you don't have our number, I'm not going to give it out. I'm not going to give it out. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, thank you guys for listening. Uh, We're very excited about kind of what's coming up next, next few weeks uh, with this series and with what we're doing on Tuesdays. Uh, In the meantime, dig into the Word. Dig in. Get your roots deep. And uh, stay rooted. Stay rooted. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogospod.